As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Welcome to Unapologetic, helping you to understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. I'm Ruth Jackson, and today I'm joined by Claire Williams, who will be sharing some of her thoughts around race, culture, and young people. Just a quick reminder that there are more shows, articles, and resources on our website, premierunbelievable.com. And we would also love to invite you to be part of our next unbelievable live event, Culture War Questions, with apologist Sean McDowell on Tuesday the 15th of November. Sean's most recent book, A Rebel's Manifesto, is aimed at believers who want to act with grace and speak with truth into polarising issues such as LGBT, pornography, abortion, morality, and more. Sean McDowell and Justin Briley will take audience questions on the hot button issues dividing culture and help you learn how to give a reason for your hope with gentleness and respect. Please join us online from anywhere in the world on Tuesday the 15th of November at 8pm UK, that's 3pm Eastern and 12 noon Pacific. Register now at www.unbelievable.live. It's free to attend but registration is essential. www.unbelievable.live. But now I want to welcome back to the show Claire Williams, who is the founder of Get Real, an apologetics ministry engaging with the big questions of life, faith and culture. Claire, we have seen lots of young people leave the Christian church over the last few decades. I suppose there's all sorts of reasons for that. Some people are moving towards Islam, some are moving um, sort of towards African indigenous spirituality. What, what do you think? Again, this is a huge, huge question, but what do you think are some of the reasons for this exodus that we're seeing away from the Christian church? Yeah, I think for um, young black people, many of us have grown up with at least some member of the family who goes to church or maybe is um, um, part of Islam. Quite a religious community, I would say. Um, but as we as we've seen of late there, there's, there's been a bit of an exodus some people call it a black exodus as well from, from the faith uh, and they call it that because as I said black people are historically quite well known to be um, quite religious um, and so I, I would put, push it down to three different things and it kind of applies to three different um, kind of groups the first thing is um, just the generic harm seeing Christianity as a harmful um, force in the world okay um, and that um, can be not just confined to, to black Christians, it can be any, any ethnic group. And I think that's, with, with Gen Z being the way it is, very much interested in questions of justice, anything that looks remotely harmful, and even if it's Christianity, then they're going to exit. 
Okay, so I think the harm of it, and this is what we were saying before, that the questions of our day in terms of apologetics isn't just about, is Christianity true? Is it relevant? But is it harmful? Um, the second thing is, I would say, the inaction of the church um, to issues of racial justice. And that could be... Um, I, I came from a black, come from a black majority church space, and um, there is sometimes an emphasis on just worshiping God and you know focusing upon what God has done for you, and you know God is there for you in trying times, but not actually dealing with and you know pinning down some of the stuff that after you've said the benediction and you go into the workplace or you go into the hospital or you go wherever the things you might face. So maybe people are young black people are leaving the faith because it's like well. God is good but my church community isn't really doing anything about this um, and then finally I think for Christians who you know grew up in church or wanted to develop their faith and have gone to do theological training and those sorts of things um, going into predominantly maybe white spaces white evangelical spaces to do training mm -hmm. and then seeing that their curriculum doesn't include them or doesn't represent black Christian contributions to, to Christianity and they begin to look for roots you know who am I in this when Christianity doesn't look like it includes people who look like me so even in places where people are you know committed Christians and wanting to develop their faith and and then realizing or seeing that their voices don't really count on curriculums or in the studies that they're doing it can it can be quite disorienting and I actually experienced some of that myself and doing some theological training and loving it but then thinking well <laughs> you know Augustine is from North Africa but why does he look like a, a European yeah. man in, in Christian art those sorts of things <laughs> um mm. <laughs> yeah just 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 an example so those are three wins I think um but they're, they're, there's obviously more but the one the major ones I've seen yeah and you've touched on a huge amount there. So in, in some ways, this is, again, we're just going to be scratching the surface. But but what do you think are some of the ways that we need to respond to to that? Yeah, so with the so point number two, like the inaction of the church on justice issues or particularly racial justice issues, um, we have a tendency to, you know, plaster on Galatians 3, I think it's 27 or 28, there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, <laughs> male nor female, but all, you know, one in Christ. And that is true. Amen. It is true. Okay. But when you see that that is not true in the secular sense of the world, of your, your daily experience, and actually you're not treated as one with somebody else who doesn't mm. look like you, what do you then do? Yeah. So not just kind of skipping over things in a kind of the bible says this the bible says that and the bible does say this and that but actually equipping um people with young people with the knowledge of you know a theology of suffering a theology of justice you know how how and why god why, why this all matters to him i think it's not we don't want to just be superficial and, and the platitudes oh there's only one race the human race yes there is but why are people treated differently and what does the gospel have to say about the fact that we live in a broken world you know the whole kind of christian anthropology how does that come into this so that we can grapple with these questions 
I suppose one of the people who just sort of jumps to my mind in, in terms of who sort of famously left the Christian faith is the former Christian rapper Jahaziel. Um, I, I don't know whether you've heard this quote that he said, um, Christianity and its controlling dictatorship, its historic blood trail, its plagiarised Bible stories, characters and concepts, the many human errors of the Bible and its contradictions, the brutal nature of its God, its involvement in the slave trade, the crusades, the inquisitions the witch hunts its second class view of women its masculine i can never say that word its masculinization of god its emasculation of men its financial corruption you get the drift i mean there's a huge amount in that quote he's he's talking about lots of different things but you know how would you respond to someone like that and in some ways he's articulating what many many people think he's just done it on a bit of a platform you know how, how are some of the ways we respond to what he's saying there mm. yeah well the first thing i would say is to jahaziel that i'm really sorry because i remember at the time when he left the faith he was met with a lot of um pushback and you know i remember i was even thinking oh no he's gone and what's happened and that kind of thing it was it yeah and i think he he there wasn't a safe space for him to ask his questions basically right now with the whole deconstruction movement that's a different ball game social media different ball game but at the time um when he was having these objections um they were quite unwelcome so i also would want to affirm the anger that he has and say that that anger is right that the things that he's listed there many of them um they are legitimate questions and we are supposed to be angry about this when we think about you know um slavery and, and colonization and the british empire those sorts of things and it was done entangled with theologies like the curse of ham you know the misappropriation of that scripture to to say that black people would be the slaves of white people you know why would any black person worship the god of their oppressor that's what it comes down to and that's yeah. what he's articulating there as you said he touches on many many things and you could write a book answering each one of those questions but the first thing to say is it is right to be angry about that okay i would to, to focus upon um the the idea of let's say um slavery and colonialism i think it's really interesting okay because when you hear about so christianity first of all was part of african tradition before the transatlantic slave trade but because of the way the historical cookie has crumbled and how we've been taught this kind of thing that's what we many of us think okay um but then even if we were to start at the point of the transatlantic slave trade okay there's been a lot of focus upon heroes and saviors like william wilberforce who did fantastic work by the way or granville sharp or the clapham sect okay so white evangelicals who did lots of work to bring about the abolition of slavery but when you start to read black testimony so I'm talking about Frederick Douglass, the narrative of Frederick Douglass. I'm talking about Mary Prince, Alada Equiano, Harriet Jacobs. These are black people who were formerly enslaved, became free, and wrote their stories as part of the sort of conversation for the abolition of the slave trade. And they are not docile, okay? They are very sharp, critical thinkers. And in, let's say, for instance, Frederick Douglass's narrative at the... He talks... Listen, when you read that, that book... He he doesn't play. He's stridently denouncing slavery and he records some horrific things. And there's times when he's really despairing of his faith. But in the appendix, he says something like, Reader, you might be thinking that 
I'm I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, that I I have some ought against God. I'm paraphrasing. But actually, he then says, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I see the widest possible difference. And he talks about the difference between slaveholding Christianity and who he has met, who he has, has encountered in the person of Jesus. And you get that sense, this this strong faith, this strong knowledge of who God is, how he is the God of justice, how he is the liberator of people from enslavement, coming through these narratives. All right. So... I think that the, the powerful testimony of formerly enslaved Africans being able to distinguish how Christianity was used and abused to, to, to make slaves complicit is very powerful. And I think we need to be um, platforming that. And this is why Black History Month is important. We need to be reading those narratives. We need to be um, putting those, amplifying those voices because unfortunately they've been muted in the celebration of, as I said, all props to William Wilberforce and such. And when we get to that, we'll actually see that these same people who, who were, who had every reason not to be Christians, Ruth, every reason because of the way Christianity was weaponized, could see the difference. And so in Jahaziel's criticism, its involvement in the transatlantic slave trade, that was the involvement of fallen humans who used and abused, and God has a judgment for them. Okay, but even within that, and this is the miracle of black believers and the black church. Um, Esau Macaulay writes about it, he talks about the miracle of the black church. The black church is an apologetic in and of itself. The fact that you have black people believing a, a God in spite of what happened to them because they can see, not because they're docile or because they've been, you know, the, the faith has been imposed upon them. And there's lots of, there's quite some evidence actually, with, even within slave narratives, to show that people who wanted to follow Christianity were actually prohibited by enslavers because to be a Christian would meant that you were to you were to be white. Catherine Gerbner writes about this in a book called Christian Slavery. The point is, I affirm Jahaziel's anger. But when we start to dig deeper, you'll begin to see how black faith is exceptionally strong in the face of this kind of kind of racism and adversity and what it tells about the God who whose hand is at work among the oppressed. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. I guess well, one of the big things um, for, for Jehazila and for lots of young black people leaving the faith is is the idea that Christianity is not a true reflection of the indigenous tradition of African people. I mean, how do we respond to that? Hmm. Yeah, it's a big one, actually. And I think what you're getting a lot of now is this kind of syncretism with, you know, part worshipping Jesus and, and, you know, seeing Jesus as a very compelling figure, but also doing sort of African indigenous spiritual practices. The first thing I'll say is that Christianity, when we see it, I always think about the, the woman at the well, St. John chapter four. OK, so she was called a Samaritan very different culture to to Jesus's own okay but when Jesus when she encountered Jesus okay she didn't become a Jewish man she was still a Samaritan woman and then her own people the Samaritans they're still called the Samaritans throughout the narrative of John St John 4 they came and sat with Jesus for a few days and they said we believe you not because of what she said but because we have encountered you and they were still called the Mm. Samaritans okay so in their Samaritan skin they were compelled by Jesus and they followed him. So the gospel isn't designed 
to um, imperialize, if you know, if I can use that kind of phrase, when it's when Christianity is assimilated into a culture. If you notice what Jesus did, he loved that woman. He respected her. He dignified her so much so that the men who uh, the disciples who came back were shocked that he was talking to her. Not shocked that Jesus did a miracle. Shocked that he was talking to her. Okay, <laughs> so Jesus loved her, but also challenged her. Go and call your husband. Yeah, and that's what the gospel does to to us as individuals and culturally. It, it it breaks into our culture, not to erase us, okay, culturally, not to erase us ethnically, but to challenge where we are not going after God's heart for human flourishing and God's vision for, for, for us in Christ, but also loving us in our skin. So when we see um, kind of like the evangelization of, of, of Africa and the kind of the missionary efforts and all what was done in the name of Christ as and it wasn't in position and it was done honestly some of the stuff you read is, is absolutely horrific that was done not in a way to love or respect or to esteem and so this is where we have this 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 missing link but when we see Jesus interacting with a very different culture you can just see the beauty that comes out of it and the second thing I'd say is that there's a really great book by um, Pastor Jerome Gay Jr. And it's called The Whitewashing of Christianity. And in it, he just explains kind of like what I was saying before about how the kind of stuff we get on our curriculums, your sort of reform theology, your, your church history, you know, your, your, your Luthers and all, everybody, your Barts, everybody else actually we need to redeem and bring back the narrative of African thinkers like Augustine origin North Africa but people like Pacomius people like Shanuta writing in Coptic languages writing orthodox theology you know there's a huge heritage that has gone um unacknowledged and that book the white washing of Christianity is I would say a really good step um forward in that direction um and maybe Thomas Odin's as well how Africa shaped the Christian mind so I think that Jahaziel's complaint there is again a legitimate one. But when we start to do some digging, we'll see the beauty of the gospel in cultures. And again, that image in Revelation 7 9, God isn't erasing our ethnic diversity, He's celebrating it. And second of all, you know, we need to correct this kind of dominance of, 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 of the, the, the idea that the church is a, a wholly European construct. And it's not. It's a global church. So I guess, the, I mean, that is a really, really helpful answer to, to a question that lots of people have, which is, you know, is Christianity a white man's religion? Clearly the answer is no, but, you know, we've whitewashed it over the years. But I guess another big question that, that comes up around this is whether Jesus was black. Um, and obviously a lot of the depictions we have is, is of him, as you said, as Caucasian, Norwegian, um, clearly looking nothing like the actual historical Jesus. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you have any opinions around whether Jesus was black or not. And I guess uh, sort of linked to that, you know, does it matter whether Jesus was black? Mm. So, again, the, the image of, of white Jesus and, the, 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 you know, the tweet by Sean King saying, you know, the images of white Jesus need to come down, isn't so much the complaint of a literal physical looking white Jesus. It is the imperial colonial baggage that that comes with. You know, why is it that in today you can go to churches in Africa and still see white Jesus on the walls yeah um, so 
it's it's the baggage and it's the undoing of that and you know you know when when if a black person is told you're sinful and you need to repent and Jesus is going to save you and Jesus looks very different to you and we're singing songs like what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow that has some theological baggage to it that makes black Christians feel like well am I not good enough is my is, is my blackness a problem and obviously that's not the case we are made in the image of God but we need to correct that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that um, different cultures can't depict Jesus according to their own sort of um, ethnic groups I'm, I'm not saying that because you see that and I think when the, the Sean King tweet kicked off um, you had some responses some Christian apologists saying well you know in Chinese culture you see Chinese depictions of Jesus and da 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 da, da. and th- that is true but still today you will see white Jesus in the middle of Africa that is mm. saying something about the legacy of colonialism and that needs to some disentangling so does it matter if Jesus was was black I think most black Christians know Jesus wasn't a black African man okay but he was um, a first century Palestinian Jew okay Christianity was not was not be- did not begin in Europe but in a very different place and I think that's a very powerful thing to say to to young black Christians um, that feel that they're on the outskirts of the faith. Claire, is there anything you would say to a young black person who is sort of in the throes of deconstruction and is, you know, about to leave the faith? Is there anything that you would say to kind of turn that around? Yeah, I would say um, you're not alone, okay? Many people have been walking this journey and thinking, should I just is this not for me because I'm black or because of the racism you might be experiencing or whatever I would say um, to immerse yourself in just some of some of the best resources that are out there and I would 100% recommend a film called Unspoken it's been produced by Lisa Fields with the Jude Free Project and they're basically asking the question is Christianity the white man's religion and you will see predating the transatlantic slave trade you will see you know um, historical records of African Christians you know, Africans becoming Christians accepting the faith of their own volition okay so um, resource yourself and don't be afraid to ask ask the question don't you know don't try to you know push it down and pretend it's not there ask the question um, Jesus can bear the weight of your questions but I would definitely recommend you watch that film Unspoken do you think we can sort of stem the tide of young black people leaving the faith by creating a safe space for questions? I mean, you sort of mentioned with the Jahaziel thing, if he'd been able to ask those questions, you know, he he, he might not have, yeah, I guess, would would that have, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? But is there wisdom in being able to create a safe space where young black Christians can be asking these questions? And, and what can we be doing to to create spaces yeah. like that, I think that regardless of ethnicity, young people will always be asking questions. And if they're not feeling comfortable enough to ask you, if there's not a space for them to ask you, they're going to ask TikTok, Instagram, and everybody else. That's what that's what they're going to do, and they'll they'll, have, they'll find answers on there. And um, so we we have a duty to create spaces, and those spaces don't necessarily have to be you know 10 a.m. on a Sunday during the, during the service, but. Um, just having a regular cycle of checking in with where people are, young people are and, and and the questions that they have and, and working through them. And I, I, I do think that, well, I'll say this for me growing up, asking questions of that nature 
or the, the you know the critique that Jaziel had in that would have been seen as you're backsliding <laughs> you know you've walked out on your faith and it would have been seen as just even asking the question would have been seen as a betrayal of one's faith when mm. actually you look at the ministry of Jesus people were asking him questions all the time you're not far from the kingdom Jesus replies you know people were asking him questions all the time Jesus even said to his disciples what were you talking about in the way I think it's in Mark 10 and they were like well we want to sit one on the right hand one on the left you know Jesus wasn't afraid of these things he's not if 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 Jesus is the way the truth and the life if he really is God then he can bear the weight of our questions Claire Williams thank you so much for joining us today thank you for listening to unapologetic you can find out more about our brilliant guest claire williams through the links with today's show please do let us know what you think of the program by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk don't forget about our next unbelievable live event culture war questions with apologist sean mcdowell on tuesday the 15th of november at 8 p.m uk that's 3 p.m eastern and 12 noon pacific register now at www.unbelievable.live It's free to attend, but registration is essential. That's www.unbelievable.live. Join us next week as we carry on the conversation. Claire Williams will be sharing some practical advice on how to better engage with young black people. Thank you for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.